Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So here we are, the third month in of 2021, and we're riffing on the word light leader, the idea of being that light and love and inspiring yourself and others to be that. And this month, the theme, because it's G, is guide, guide. And what I mean by that is to uh, guide yourself into accessing the divine wisdom within you, that guidance that's within you, and not listening to all the different blah, blah, blahs out there, but listen to within. Listen and access that divine guidance within you. And then as a light leader, you can begin to guide people around you into being more kind, more loving, more light. And that's part of the inspiration from last month. So guide, are you a guide? I would say, yeah. And are you a light leader? I would say, uh-huh. So that's our theme for this month, guide. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter so you can be in the know about how to live an empowered life. Enjoy the show. So welcome to another exciting show on Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. I am always so curious how this conversation is going to go every time I get on line with a, a guest. And uh, before we jump in with my guest today, I just want to remind everybody that uh, my book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey, is out. Um, if you are ending a, a year, beginning a year, just in the middle of cock you know, I invite you to get the book because it's a workbook and it will definitely uh, support you in whatever inner transformation you're seeking. Mm -hmm. So you can go to susanburrell.com. I am also running a buy one, give one book giveaway. So susanburrell.com backslash book dash giveaway. And you can buy one and then get a second one to give to someone that you really care about or even somebody you don't even know that you think might be interested. So, hey, that's a good thing. So today, um, I have this amazing woman who is has so many different uh, tool sets. Uh, let me put it that way. I'm going to let her tell you all of that. But um, she is a, a best-selling author, uh, a podcaster in her own right. Her podcast is Feminine Power Time. So you need to check that out. And she's also a transformational leader and coach. And so I want to welcome Christine Arlo. Did I pronounce that right? Close, Christine Arlo, but it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> oh my God, I got to practice that. Christine Arlo. Thank you. <laughs> so the reason why, Christine, the reason why you're here is because I got information about your book, uh, overwhelmed and over it. What a great title. That immediately, I was like, well, I got to look at that. But the book is about enhancing your power at, in order to stay centered and sustained in your life and all of that. And so when I got received your book, I just cracked it, you know, to exactly what I was supposed to read. So I have a feeling, Christine, I'm going to be your best client <laughs> because I went, Oh my gosh. And then I opened it again to another, Oh, there I am again. So, um, I want to, I want to ask you what led you to write this book first overwhelmed and over it. Well, I've been, it took me three years to write the book and 10 years of researching it and living it and experiencing it. So it's been over 10 years that I kind of came to this question of like, why is it that no woman that I know um, has been able to find work-life balance, um, has been able to create a reality in which she feels like she's doing enough, that she has enough? Why are we all so stressed out no matter how much 
you know, time management <laughs> things we do, productivity, like we try all these things, but but nothing's really changing. And and I'm a big believer in getting to the roots of things versus just trying to band-aid the symptoms of things. And so when I realized that women had for like decades been trying to solve this overwhelm, this exhaustion problem, which really kind of sparked, and my friend Christine Carlson wrote the Don'ts with the Small Stuff for Women book back in like the 90s. And I had just met Chris when my first book came out in 2009 and I was opening up her book and like the first page says something like, and this book was written in the 90s. So, you know, <laughs> a while ago, and it says, I was driving the other day and I, I saw a car with a bumper sticker that says, I am woman, I am invincible. And Chris says in the book, and I am tired. <laughs> and <laughs> I think we can all relate to that, oh, right? That absolutely. we are these strong women. And I was like, wait a second, she wrote this book in the 90s. And women have been, so they say, like firmly in the workforce as equal, quote unquote, partners since the 70s what is going on? And that has led me on a journey that took me deeper to get into the systemic roots of what's going on in our society, which by the way is built for burnout. And I know we'll probably talk about that. And then also what's going on inside of us, what I call self, um, self-induced self imprints or imprints that are running our operating system that cause us to work too hard, give too much, strive, grind, no matter how much we give, it's never enough. And the result of all the study and all this experimenting on me and the women that I hold space for and my partner. It is relevant to men too, but this I'm, I'm writing specifically to the heart of women in this book um, that, that the book had to come and apparently in right in, in time. Holy moly. Because are we not all overwhelmed and over it? I mean, yes. And I, and I agree with you. I, uh, women. Okay. A lot of the women I know, and you talk about this in your book, take on all the responsibility. It's it's we were we were trained to do that, right? And and I would say it hasn't just been decades; it's been centuries. Yes, that we carry the burden of the home life, of um, the 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 food situation, of the happiness factor of uh, so many things. And we don't even know we're carrying that burden at all. Yes. Well, it has been true. I mean, it's been, the, the, we are, uh, one of the things I, I, I joke about, but like joking in a, in a serious kind of way is we have been handed down from generation to generation, um, like a bad set of bad China from you know, generation of mother <laughs> to daughter, the self-sacrificing tea, the self-sacrifice, you have to sacrifice yourself for the good of the family, you have to sacrifice yourself for the children, you have to sacrifice, you know, it's all this self-sacrifice and, or you get the, the, the brand of, of tea set that's about the, you have to do it all. You can do yes. it all. And I had both of those going on. <laughs> a lot of us That's the China. Two different, and you know, so for me growing up, I watched a mother who had a full-time job and also came home and cooked and also ran the Girl Scout troop and also had a part-time job at night that she did. Like the woman never sat still. And so of course I inherited uh, what I call the, the doing addiction of like, you know, I couldn't, I literally couldn't relax. I literally, my body would twitch or I would have these like, you know, these, these thoughts from my inner mean girl of like, you should be doing something. What are you doing? You know, and all of this <laughs> craziness in our minds. And then I also have the self-sacrificing as well, a little bit different because I can actually remember um, a shopping trip. And I write about this in Overwhelmed and Over It when I'm asking all of us women to like look at the imprints that we've inherited from the women that we grew up around and also from the women that we look to as mentors in our careers because it happens there too. In this version of what it looks like to be a successful woman, you have to hustle, you got to strive, you got to like step over or do whatever, you know, it's like, these, these she men that look like women, but really we've become men. Um, right. and, and not even like good men, like playing a distorted race. It's not serving men, women, or, or humans. Anybody. Yeah. And so when I looked back, so one of the things I invite people to do is always look back at the imprints that they might've taken on by even either having a self-sacrificing imprint or the strong invincible superwoman imprint. Or sometimes people have like they just never had anyone show up for them. So they became very independent, very self-sufficient, very early on. And so that creates this imprint of, I have to do it all. 
there's no one here. And it's a reality. Like, it's like we could all, and I'm assuming Susan, your head is nodding. I could give you lots of evidence of like, <laughs> yeah, it's all on me. Cause if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. And I remember the shopping trip when I was working on the book, I remembered the shopping trip I took at the age of 11 with my mom. And we were at, you know, one of those malls or whatever. And my, I had all these bags. It was for school, school, you know, shopping. And she had one little bag with one little pair of sensible underwear in them. And I was like 11, you all. And I look at her with, and with all like the untainted, you know, awareness of an 11 year old, I go, why don't you have anything? Like, why do you have this one little bag? And this like says it all about the self-sacrificing imprint, the martyr imprint. She says, well, cause everything I do is for you girls. Now I'm 11 and I remember the rack, it was a round rack and I'm standing in the store. I actually remember where it was at in the mall, lower floor. And I just look at her and I say, no. I do not want that. I could feel all of that martyry, like generational guilt, like just coming at me. Oh my God, Christine. Like, no, I don't, I don't want that imprint. And I looked at her, I go, you know what? I would have less, you know, I don't need another pair of Jordache jeans, you know, just dating myself a little, (laughs) or, you know, (laughs) two pairs of, 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 of Converse or whatever, you know, there's enough for all of us. And so it's these imprints that we don't know that are running us that are mm-hmm. causing us to create realities, whether they're at home or they're in our lifestyles or they're in our organizations that are unsustainable and their ways of working and succeeding that just got made up by humans. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happening right now. It's kind of like, this isn't working for yeah, any I, of us. And it hasn't been for a long time. It hasn't been for a long time. And I think that's why the, the year 2020 became so excruciating for so many people on so many different levels because it it really is the opportunity to look in the mirror and go, wow, a a lot of this stuff of how I've been operating doesn't work. And, and, and I'm raising my hand because I, you know, I'm going through it too. In fact, right. (laughs) I just love how the universe works. So knowing that I was going to interview you, right. And I'm thinking I hadn't looked at the book yet. Um, and I'm, I woke up at three in the morning with uh, the, you talk about the critical voice, the judgmental mean person in all of our heads. I think we all, if you're a woman, I think you got it. You know, it's just a matter of how do you control it? And three in the morning there, there she was telling me, well, why did you eat that? And why did you do that? And you know, you, you've gained weight. What are you going to do about that? What's wrong with you? I was like, oh my God. So the, so then the next morning when I opened up your book and there I was in the middle of your book, I'm like, oh, she was in my dreams last night and she knew. So you, you talk about so many amazing things in here. Um, I want to talk about liberating your life force a bit and how we do that. But first, let's talk about the imprint for burnout that you mentioned earlier, because um, if you're listening to this and you're tired, it and you want to really go take a nap but you don't think you can afford the time you're probably one of those people that's already in burnout yes yeah by the time we've hit that place the yogis teach actually that the last place that burnout shows up is in our bodies and oh my god i must be so friggin fried then <laughs> i think most, i mean we were we were like you said that here's like here's just a, a couple little things i want to share with people Number one, um, this year is not an anomaly. It's not like all of a sudden everything was rainbows and unicorns before 2020 and moving into 2021 and beyond. We've been ratcheting up the level of intensity and pressure that we've been feeling for a long time. Mm -hmm. I can looked at some of my podcasts from Feminine Power Time from 2016 and 17. I've been talking about intensities. I'm sure you have, Susan, Mm -hmm. and for a long time and trying to get people's attention about work-life balance is BS. It's not, you know, it's not the way. It's like a crazy, equation. Hey, we need to slow down power pot, like all these things I teach. And it was what's people were so busy unless they had, what I found is unless there was something very distressing in their lives, whether it was like, like I've had women come to do transformation work with me because they're super successful in their career, reached the executive level and their marriage is about to fall apart. Uh-huh. Right. So it's had to get to that part of distress where they're like, something's off or they hit a health crisis and then they're like, something's off. And what I'm trying to do for us as women is not to get to the place where we accept distress is what has to happen before we actually look around and be like, this is not sustainable. And one of the things that I find is that I think as women, we've become so resilient that we've become too tolerant. 
Oh, you know, I, 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 I just got to raise my hand, Christine, because that is so true. I've, uh, personally been battling uh some issues in my arm and back for like a little over a month i it's emotionally related to my mother having passed away Mm. a couple of months ago i know that but the but the pain is intense and um and we i i i was sitting with myself one day having the conversation that i do in my head with myself and i'm like wow have you just become so tolerant of a high level of pain that you you just get out there and continue to function, even though the pain is so high, the exhaust exhaustion is so deep. And I'm, and I know I'm not the only woman doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Most of us are. And that is um, when I was writing overwhelmed and over it, I think it's in the liberating your life force section or the heart section. It could be in the heart section. I identified not just me, but there's, but I have a couple that I identified six kinds of distress that is like toxic stress. So there's there's normal stress, which is part of the life of life. The yogic science teaches us stress is part of life. Living stress be stress free as is as is a is a is a myth. Just like work life balance, total myth, and work life integration. For any of you that are trying that, that's BS too. Um, <laughs> and we can talk more about that. It's like this is what happens in corporate America. What happens in traditional leadership? They all just try to eke along and make it a little better. And we've been doing it for so long. And Clarissa Kincola Estes, who's the amazing mm-hmm. elder who wrote Women Who Wrote Run with Wolves, she termed it the overculture, which is like the best word ever about the society that we live in. And the overculture, if for those of you who have never heard this word before, the overculture is basically the crazy, mad society that we live in that you could trace back to 5,000 years. You, that's like some people say you could trace it back to the Romans. Some people say it's the Industrial Revolution. It just kind of depends on you know how far out you want to go. But this culture that at the core is about grow bigger, grow faster, do more, accumulate, consume, I mean, greed is at the heart of it. It's very focused on the mental and the, the, I love that you have self-love on your sign behind you because that's what my first three books are about. And I can tell you at the heart of leadership is self-love, but people don't want to talk about self-love because it feels so, so soft and poo-poo-y and woo-woo-y and all this stuff. And it's like, we're just like cut off from our hearts and we just are like living like these heads up here. And so we've assimilated into these realities that if that if women were just, were so stretched, we don't even have the space to look around and be like, who am I? Mm. Where am I? Why am I doing it? Is this sustainable? And what the heck is going on in this world right now? And what Clarissa says, and I agree with her, is that we've just learned to assimilate. And I think what's happened is we've been like treading water for decades and just, you know, we're so strong, we just can keep doing it. And then we go back in, we rest for, you know, a day or two, and then we go back in unless we get the big two by four. But 2020 was the um, tidal wave. It was the deluge. It's like, whoosh. It's like, no more. You know, this is the planet's burning out. People are burning out. Society's not working for most people. Maybe it's working for a few, but it's not working for most of us. And, um, we got to do it different, but it's really hard to create the new when you're barely surviving in the now. Yeah. And what I hear you saying about with like your mother, Susan, you need space to grieve. You need space to grieve. Like we all actually this year need space, need space to grieve. To grieve. Yeah. And we, and when I, when I work with a lot of women and I'm curious how this shows up for you, they say, I want money. I want more money. I want more, you know, love in my relation and more time. And what's interesting about the time and money piece specifically, yeah, you can't make more time. There is no more time. There's no time kitchen, right? I always like to say that. What we're actually craving is space. Right. We're craving space. And we think money will give us space. And we think time will actually give us what space is. Space to savor our lives, space to be in relationship where we can actually you know, connect and be human and space to enjoy the things that we work for and like to space, space, space to think, space to create. And we're space deprived and we think it's time and money. And it's actually not because if it was, we would have figured this out by now. Okay. So now explain to everybody what you mean by space. Mm -hmm. I understand what you mean by space. 
not that I give myself that much space all the time, <laughs> but explain to everybody what you mean by space and then how do we expand that space so that we feel that we have space? Yeah. So we're living um, in a compression moment. We're living in a compressed lifestyle. And I yeah. think um, this, this would be a whole, this would be a whole podcast, a whole teaching on its own for many, many months to understand the difference between time and space. So I'll kind of give you a, a wisdom bite around it. Um, the fourth part of the book is called Liberate Your Time. And when I set out to write Overwhelmed and Over It, I looked at all of the things that I had been teaching and learning um, with my yogic science background, my feminine wisdom background, and my indigenous wisdom background. And I said, I need to structure this book in a way that actually gives people a path out of overwhelmed self-sacrifice and burnout. I'm not going to promise any of you know, will ever feel overwhelmed. That's unrealistic. But it's like, do you step on the line of overwhelm or do you go all the way into the deep burnout place where you're creating physical disease in your body or distress in your relationship or making choices in your life, whether it's how fast something has to get done? how, you know, with the expectations you have for how fast you should be growing your business, yourself, how you make job decisions when you go to take a new job and they say you have to start in two weeks, but you've just finished another job and there's no space to right. actually replenish, right? To the choices you make to how you start your year. You know, it's like, oh, I have to have my goals figured out by January 10th. Well, yeah, in the indigenous wisdom tradition, no, you don't. You dream all of January and then you set your intentions in February and then you grow them over the year. So time and space is something you, if you aren't studying it and you don't know what we're talking about when we talk about space and time and the difference, I invite you to open up your eyes and wake up and be like, what are these two women talking about? Like, I want to know more about exactly. that. Because wise women, wise beings understand time and space and how to actually work with both. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's also a place, at least in my experience, when I'm consciously awake, right? And uh, really wanting to be in that space where you can actually expand a bit of time as well. Time begins to expand when we put our attention on creating a space or, or what I call a larger container to be in, to sit in and, um, and, and do what you're suggesting, Christina, regenerating, rejuvenating and all that. Exactly. Because what you're, so what you're, so time, just give a little, give a little timeless. And Einstein said it pretty, pretty much the best is that time basically is man-made you all. It's not natural. It is a system that has been overlaid on the natural world and all kinds of hinky stuff has been done with time throughout the ages. So Julius Caesar changed the start of the year from vernal equinox, March equinox, spring in the Northern hemisphere to January 1st just decided. Uh -huh. Calendar system used to be a 13 moon calendar system. The Chinese calendars, 13 cycles, the Jewish calendars, 13 cycles for a reason, because the moon, which is natural, changes, goes full cycle every 29 and a half days. But between Julius Caesar and Pope Gregory, they basically cut out a whole cycle to make a 12 month calendar. So we have one less cycle in what's considered a full year. Just, just think about that. Like one whole last month. So no wonder there's not enough space. Um, and Einstein said that time, the only value of time is to have a, an agreed upon set of, of agreements about when to meet and when to get things done by. It's just, it's an agreement setting situation because other, otherwise, how would you ever have a doctor's appointment or, you know, how you and I would do this podcast together right now? That's it. And the quantum physicists have proven what the sages have known forever, that there's this space. You know, it's called, I was just talking to a friend of mine this morning about stretching time. Mm -hmm. Some of you have probably had this in creating space. So here's like a very practical example. You know, you start your week and you get on, you get, it's Monday and you look at your calendar and like, there's, it's full. There's like time, it's all, there's no, there's no space. It's like literally right. it's all crunched together. And then and you feel it, like you feel it in your body, you feel it in your jaw, just talking about it. it makes my jaw hurt. I remember it a lot more when I worked in corporate America and it was meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And then I became an entrepreneur and I repeated the pattern and, and why I teach all this because I've had to learn it, you know, myself. <laughs> and so you look at the calendar and you just feel it and, you're, and you just, you're like, you try to think about it and try to like analyze it. And like, how could I create space and try to move things around? It's like this awful puzzle that just gives you a headache. But then this miracle happens where, where a meeting cancels, 
where things start to shift or what I call they reflow to another time. So they reflow to actually a better time, but they reflow to the next week or the next month. But we are actually as a people afraid of empty space. So what we do instead of being like, oh, like you start to breathe, like, oh, I can breathe. There's space in my day. I can, <sighs> we fill it up. We yep. go and we fill it up, whether it's like bidding on social networking and just being, you know, thumbs, or we start to put more meetings in there or we find, oh no, I can get 10 more things done. I mean, I've done this. And this is the thing I think that's hard to swallow, but it's where the power is. And this is why the subtitle of, of my book is Embrace Your Power. And I see empowered behind you there, yep. Susan, is that you are actually at choice of whether or not you take the space and you give it to yourself. And all the parts in you that are imprinted that you can't do it, that there's not enough time. If you stop, you're going to not have enough. You're going to, you know, miss out, you know, whatever all those deeper fears are, you have to actually go through the process and realize that the world doesn't fall apart. Right. People don't fall apart. Right. You're not going to be broke or bankrupt or, you know, whatever the, the case may be. Whatever the fear is that's running you to make sure your calendar is full. Exactly, which is in which is deeply embedded in your heart and in mm -hmm. your cellular memory. It's not just a belief; it's an imprint. And so, this is why I love, I love the part I see there. Learn to trust themselves, build an inner foundation of self love, empowered life from the inside out. That's where the that's where the power is. And then in the overculture, they want you to emulate these qualities and fit into these time productivity things, completely void of your own power. You're just right. following like a little lemming and you don't even know it because you think I'm empowered. I'm a leader. I have this, I have that. But you're, you're not empowered. You're disempowered because you're not tuned into what is true for you and you don't realize the system that you've been running in is completely built for burnout. And here's the thing I want everyone to know. It's not your fault. It's not your Christine, fault. I'm leaning in. Could you say that again? It is not your fault. Okay. Now, I know lots of women, myself included, feel like if something falls through the cracks, oh my God, it's all my fault. Or if it doesn't come out right, oh my God, it's all my fault. And I love that you say it's not your fault. And we don't have to go find whose fault it is, right? Correct. It's nobody's fault. It's not about fault. Fault is just... So the conversation about fault and guilt are two of the most distracting ways to fragment our power. There's a, there's a part in the books, a lot of women feel guilty. Like I feel guilty if I'm not mm -hmm. helping, I feel guilty if I'm not doing this. And I didn't get the guilt imprint. So <laughs> thank goodness. So, but I understand it. And in my, in guilt, most people will have guilt. It's a, it's a distorted response to the situation. So I always say, if you didn't steal lie, cheat, or kill somebody, guilt is a distorted emotion. It's not the, it's not the appropriate emotion. You're having it because there's something imprinted in there that has you, has you, as you're responding in a way that's actually not in alignment. It's real for you because you've either seen it growing up. It's the way your personality and your ego have been structured, whatever it might be. But those like, if you, if you lie, cheat, steal, or kill someone, you should have guilt. Like, those are, those are, those are appropriate responses. And then the same thing with fault or blame. Most of us are doing the best that we can yes. with what we've been given. And, and that was one of the root reasons that I found that we haven't been able to get out of burnout and overwhelm and this unsustainability is we, we haven't been given the tools right. or the wisdom. I didn't know what I didn't know until at the age of I think it started around 27 when I remember I looked up, I was working in consulting, working 60 to 80 hours a week in advertising oh, and marketing, goodness. which was normal and everyone was uh -huh. doing it. And I was at a crossroads and I was like, do I want to, you know, continue to climb and the trajectory or do I want to do something else? And it was one of, and I've done this over and over and over again in my career. And it's in, it tapped into what I didn't have words for at the time, my crazy wisdom, which is, um, which is in my own heart. And I remember we can talk about that if you want to, it's, I looked up at the people ahead of me that were like running the company 
and they all looked tired. They were either tired, bags under their eyes, or they um, they were having relational, like their relations were a mess. They were empowered women who emasculated their male partners, you know, things like that, or single women who really wanted to be in a relationship, but worked all the time. So there was no space for that. I myself was in a toxic relationship at the time, which was easy to avoid because I was working all the right, time. Working. And so I just, I, I said, you know, what? I could do that. I could be successful. I could run this company. Like I could achieve that, but I don't want to do that. And so I, I, I pivoted and I um, ended up starting graduate school and working full time. Um, but I, my company was an easy job. It's what I call the transition job. It was like, I could do it in 50% of the time. At the time, I didn't know that I was still caught up in my achiever self. And so I was like, why are they not giving me more work? Why are they not giving me more? I could do more. And then I met my current husband and I remember him saying, I would get all wound up about it and come home from work. And I would be like, oh, Noah, like, why don't they, they don't respect me. And like, why don't they like going to give me more work? And he's like way more chill than me. He's taught me so much about the feminine. And he said, Christine, just go in, receive your paycheck, let them pay for your school. I was going through a lot of personal growth because I was like doing my deep healing work and all of that. It's like, just, you know, work 50% of the time and get your job done. It's good. And I was just like, huh, I had, (laughs) 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 huh, because it was like, I had been trained in that, like almost like we're indentured slaves to the companies or we work for, or the companies we create. It doesn't matter. It's not any better in some ways as an entrepreneur. I see a lot of entrepreneurs. I've been her myself. Um, get caught in the beast, caught the beast model, where it's like, you know, just grind, 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 grind. Because if you're not going and you're not producing, it just stops. Um, yeah. Oops. That's exactly, that's my experience this year. Grind, 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 grind. And then um, with my mom passing, I stopped. And there, and the, there's that part of me that's like, wait, I should be doing something, right? Shouldn't I be doing something? Why am I not doing something? Oh yeah, that's right. I'm taking time out to be with me and my grief and all that stuff that comes up. And I think that that there's so many people, whether or not they have experienced experienced a death this year, they are grieving. And some people are taking time for that, and some people are just barreling on through yes. because they've got a business they have to keep up, or because of whatever a family, and that's distressing. Like you said, it's distress. It is distress because it will stay in your body yeah. if you don't. And so here's like, I'm going to kind of give you a little word policing over there where word, a little word shifting. So one of the ways that we work to, to create space is we have to watch our time talk. And that's one of the things I talk about elevating your time talk because our words create our realities. And so the words you just used, which we do it all the time, you said, take time out. Mm-hmm. Right or people say oh, look time at that. off, look and I'm like, that. that's the indentured slave. I'm like, people say I'm going to take time off to do blah blah blah. I'm like, are you a slave? Are you an indentured? Take time. Are good behavior? Like, are you getting let out of prison? Like, what do you mean time off? You're like, this is your life. If you're living a whole life, that's not work and life as two separate things, but think of it more like a circle versus a line. You're, you don't take time off your life. You're just doing something different. And so you're, um, you're focused in a different place. And so right. I would you know, reflect to you, Susan, you are, you, grieving is doing something. Right. Right. So it's like, this is the part we got to tell the crazy one in there. It's like, and this is what I started to do. I'm like, I am doing something. I'm resting. I am doing something. I'm replenishing. I am doing something. I'm grieving. I'm allowing myself. I'm giving in the changes. I'm giving my, I'm creating, I'm taking the space. You could take space. I'm creating the space to grieve. Mm-hmm. And then you step outside of the linear time matrix and you go into this other time reality that if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, ever, if you ever done anything creative, like if you paint or you like mm-hmm. go for a long walk and you kind of, they say lose track of time, that's because you've stepped into the world of space. Yeah. And so I always want to witness, especially the work that you do, if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to create space to grieve, and then you're going to go into the world and you're going to support other people to live from their heart, you can't do that. Like, I mean, you could, but then you wouldn't, it's exhausting that. Well, talk about uh, uh, being 
incapacitated because if people, and I know lots of people that do that, you know, where, okay, I'll just get through this and then I'll take a break, that kind of thing. But I have lived life long enough to know that if, if it's, if I get up a couple times attempting to do the thing, I think I should, because it's on my calendar and I do it and it doesn't feel good. Then I know that, that I need to create time and space. Mm-hmm. I need to be with myself. I yeah. not I not continue to put things on a calendar. That's so fascinating. Thank you for catching that because you know I I just appreciate that. So can can we talk about in overwhelmed and over it, Christine? You talk about bookending your day, which I I think a lot of people. Uh, some people know or are practicing now meditation in the morning or a walk in the morning but not necessarily at night. And I know um, some people are doing their affirmations or uh, gratitude journals or whatever their, their spiritual practice set is at night, but not necessarily in the morning at night. And you've got a whole um, system that I think is wonderful that asks the questions daily that we uh, can be more conscious of how we live our life from a place of energy sustained energy as opposed to depletion. Mm. Yes, this is this this will this this ties into how do you start to create space so that you can breathe? Yeah. So that you can savor your life. Um I and, and part of what we're experiencing right now I just did a podcast with a friend of mine who's a, an amazing astrologer and one of the things that um she and I talked about before 2020 and the COVID and all that happened was we could feel that something was coming. We didn't know what it was. We're like, something's going to come and it's going to change everything when we can't stop it. And from an astrology perspective, it was interesting what she saw with all the planets and everything was it, it was all about the element of air. Uh And if you think about air, right, air, breath. So air is about breath. Breath is connected to the lungs in Chinese medicine, which is about grief. And so we're talking about like, we all have stuff to be grieving and to release and to let go. And so we can't breathe in our lives because there's no space. Fires that have been happening in California, you can't breathe because of that, right? That's another part. Think of George, like George Floyd is like, literally, I can't breathe. Like, this is like way bigger than any of us. And you got to look at this as like, it's, it's systemic and epidemic, but it can also then become overwhelming. Like, I'm frozen. I don't know what to do. How am I even going to respond to that? Yeah, it would be it would be nice if I had some space. I mean, talking to all the working parents out there who've now just become teachers, teachers. on top of everything else. And and here's a here, perspective: is that part of that is because we really do need to take a stand as women from our fierce heart to say no more. And this society does not value the mother. It doesn't value mothering. It doesn't value the mother. It doesn't value the feminine. It's all about go, 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 grow, 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 push, 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 consume, consume, consume. And if you think about how much we pay our teachers, how we work our healthcare professionals. I mean, I have a lot of doctors who are my clients and when they first come to me and they're working, what they're expected to do. I mean, there's literally a law that says um, resident doctors cannot work. I think it's more than like, 80 or 100 hours a week for like there's like 80 or 100 like that's like but they all work 100 hours a week but there's a wow. law that's like 80 hours is normal wow so they they fudge all their numbers and stuff to to meet the 80 hours which is abnormal i mean just think about that like it's just it's crazy like a human can't keep working for 80 hours or my clients who have been former teachers most teachers 45% of teachers quit after the 5th year because it's unsustainable, the level of support and how they get paid and just how much they're expected to do. These are the people who are responsible for raising our children, mm-hmm. right? A big part of it. And so I feel like this, what's happening, you know, it's, it's not, it's not good. I mean, no one wants, I don't wish this upon any mother, but to have to be like, there's actually no more room. I cannot take any more on. It's pushing us all over the edge, but like in a, in a, in a possibly good way of like, and so if the, the thing that's important about what you asked about the book ending part, Susan, is I think what we have to do is get clear that we are in the middle of a massive transformation. Mm, big time. Big time. Big and so time. no one's waking up in four days or five days because there's an election or there's a inauguration or there's a whatever. We're like caterpillar, goo, butterfly. 
We are in the goo. <laughs> we are the goo. We are the goo. And you're not, you're, if you don't, I mean, you can, you'll get stuck in the goo if you don't look in and do your own parts to come like heal your whole, heal your heart, like come back to wholeness, look around what's not sustainable, how I've been imprinted, understanding how you work, like all these parts, which is great. I mean, this is good stuff. It's not, there's nothing wrong with any of us. We just got assimilated into this banana pants world. And now we have to like, you know, get off that stuff to see what's real. And we're not going to have like, okay, it'd be nice if I just had six months, you know, not working and I'll just, you know, paint and sit in the trees. Like that's not how it works either. So you have to, you have to take back control of the rhythm of your life, which is when this was all happening and COVID started and lockdowns happened and all of that, I was finishing the edits of the book and I was like, oh my God, they might finally believe me that they may finally believe that this way of working where people get up at five o'clock in the morning and then get their kids to school by seven 30 and then are commuting for two hours a day. Like that, this is not necessary. Like when I work from home, we know I'm like, it just, it's not, it's not necessarily, it's, it's man-made. And so how you start to find your natural rhythm and create space is in small, but significant ways. Mm-hmm. The first way is you bookend your day, which basically means the first hour of your day and the last hour of your day. So the yogic science is how you start your day is how, which, which sets the tune for how you'll go through your day and how you end your day is how you will start your next day. So here are my, here are my questions for everybody. First hour of the day, what are you interacting with and what are you putting into your body, your mind, and your energy field? And really the rule is nothing from the outside world should be coming into your field, into your home, into your mind, into your vision for that first hour. That is a time for you. You could be with the people in your family. It's a time to connect with yourself, body, mind, heart, spirit, all four. So meditation on its own, not enough. Gotta get you gotta 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 get into the body. Like there's these different parts, and you don't gotta sit on the cushion for an hour. You just need to protect your magnetic field, get centered in yourself, so you're not a windsock with no pole. And yeah, then you're, yeah. you know, I work with a lot of empaths, and I'm like, so what's your energy protection? How do you protect your energy field every morning? And then I get that. Yep. Nothing. And I was like, holy moly. <laughs> you even breathing? See, I, and this is what I teach my clients too, but I bet damn, if I don't go get in the car and go to the grocery store and come home exhausted because I didn't do that in the first place for myself of protecting my energy field. Yeah. So can we make this the last day you ever leave the house again or interact <laughs> with the outside world, Susan, without protecting without your Without protection. Field? Yes. Cause it's like, it's like getting, it's like, if you don't, it's like getting on a city bus naked. That's what it's, <laughs> that's the vision I want you to think. It's like getting on the city bus naked, or if you're, and we all do this. I mean, this is like with our cell phones, right? It's an addictive technology and everyone should just know that it is, it is created to be addictive yep. and, and you, and you really, that's a whole other podcast to wake up to, but, um, I reach for it. It's like a little slot machine. You know, what's in there? What's going to happen? You know, but as soon as you open that, all of that energy comes into your field. And the yogis teach there's 10 different bodies. You have emotional bodies, mental bodies, energy bodies, subtle bodies. So you can feel it though. People feel like I feel so anxious or yep. I feel so frustrated because you've just invited the anxiety and the frustration of this world, which is heightened into your field. And this is where we, we started. You don't know what you don't know. So it's like, now you know. And, and, you, and even if you've been having a practice for 20 years and you think you're spiritually evolved, if we don't do it at this time, it's just too intense out there. And that last, the last hour is what I call downshifting. And the simplest part of downshifting to get started with is the last hour of your day. So the yogic science says, what you put into your mind, your body, your heart, spirit that last hour goes to bed with you. So if you're scrolling on Facebook in bed, all of the, that energy is going into your subconscious and it's going to go into your dream time. And it's going to, you're not going to get the sleep that you need. I mean, it's great that like Ariane Huffington wrote thrive, which was great. Get sleep. No, duh. But let's like, we all know what to do, but then we do these things that are sabotaging us. If you watch a scary movie, if you watch a distressing movie, if you eat chocolate, now your body has to, I mean, I like chocolate. I just don't eat it in the last hour before I go to bed. And if you don't have a way to downshift, most of us, because we we, we need a way to release the stress, we do self-sabotaging things. 
you know, like, you know, I'll do the wine down. I'm like, oh, I'll have a glass of wine. Oh, I'll have another glass of wine, <laughs> you know, or whatever your, your variety is, they numb out to TV, you know, and it's not that like doing it sometimes is, is, is okay. It's when it becomes habitual. So you yeah. need to have something that you do in that last hour that's like a ritual, a routine. This is I'm slowing down, I'm turning off the outside world, I'm connecting to those same four points, physical, universal, spiritual, whatever you want to call it, self-love and love with others. And then you're all wrapped up in a nice cozy bubble. You can go to sleep and um, you know, hopefully not wake up at three in the morning. But I I know it's it's liver time, man. Three o'clock's a it's a it's a <laughs> wake me up and then it has to talk to me, you know. Yes. I can't, when I wake up at three in the morning, I just resign that I won't fall back asleep till four 30 because it's, you're just, you're likely not going to. And so I put mantra music on and I, um, I actually try to, um, I do a lot of breathing meditation and I try to connect to myself, my heart, like what's going, what's going on in there. Mm -hmm. So instead of going to the critical place with the mind, um, to, to breathe into your heart and to get curious about like, and this is like, like what's, what, what am I not receiving? What am I not getting? Cause this is the piece why we sabotage ourselves and why we do all these things is like the critic wants to make us wrong. And then it pressures us, which then paralyzes us or makes us continue to push. But if you can slow down and start to get curious about your heart and like what we're, a lot of us, our experiences is we haven't been taught how to receive. And overwhelmed and over it is, is hugely about receiving and being able to state what we need. Which I am so grateful that you wrote this. Go ahead. Receiving. Most women I know are, um, we just, we suck at receiving. I mean, it's like you get a compliment, you're like, oh, this old thing, right? Like that, that's simple. But we, one of the things I, 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 I realized in my research was there's all these different ways we overgive and under receive. So the old imprint that we, a lot of us have been running is it's better to give than receive. We've all heard that, but just think about that for a moment. If it's better to give than receive, of course, we're just going to give and give and give and give like a bank that doesn't take in enough deposits, it just gives and gives. And it's that martyr place that we started from. And for some people it's, you know, to the relationships to some people it's to work. So you, you want to be like a bank that receives retains and then gives in harmony, receive, retain, give in harmony, right? So it's received, it's better to give and receive, both are actually needed. And so I identify these 13 different ways that we overgive. I call them the overs or the overgiving imprints. And there's like overcompensating, over uh, caretaking, over promising, over controlling, over focusing on the future. And we all have all of them, but if you can identify the ones that are running within you, mm -hmm. then you become aware of all this unconscious patterning that is causing you to make up beliefs and actions and how you work and are in relationship and how you set up your life. And then all of a sudden you start to see you're, you make start to make different choices. And that's ultimately too what this work is about is empowering us to make choices from that place of wholeness where we are giving and receiving in harmony. And whether it's like a timeline and a deadline that we set up and then we push ourselves and everyone else to drive to, or it's a way we set up our, um, you know, with my business, I found that I had an overgiving imprint where I was overcompensating for other people's um, lack of. Um, financial security. Mm -hmm. so I kind of made it my job, this over responsibility to make sure they were financially taken care of, which then often meant I didn't have enough. And if I didn't have enough, that means I had to go do more work, but I was the one who had the power to actually generate and create money and they didn't. So I had taken on this over responsibility in a way that I didn't even know was in there. And then right. when I saw it, I was like, well, A, they didn't ask me to do that, at least not consciously, maybe subconsciously, but B, I'm like, like, that's like, like, no, <laughs> like, no. Like, and that's a part of like, I'm inviting everyone to take a step back. And that's why an overwoman over at the cover has the line under it is it's, it's to say no more. That's where the power comes from to say like, and to ask, I would ask all of you, I'll ask you, Susan, I'm, I asked this to myself, what is no longer sustainable in the way you're working and in the way that you have set up your relationships? And in the way that you set up your life. And if you can look at those three areas and be super honest with yourself, 
and then accept responsibility for the part that you took in creating that without giving fault to it, but knowing I was doing the best that I could. I could see why these deeper, I call them love cracks in my own heart that were trying to like, you know, receive love or safety or security or whatever, you know, we're, we're looking for. I could see how that was a way to protect myself and then have compassion for ourselves and then be like, okay, no more, this is done. And that's the first step because then the universe is like, oh, she's serious. She's like taking her power and saying, yes. And you don't have to know how it's going to change. That's how you and the universe work together. And then stuff starts to change. And then it comes back into your field again, always does, whether it's a relationship, a job, a this or that. And then you're like, ah, there it is. Mm-mm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not biting. I'm not doing that again. That's I, practice. Yeah. And it is a practice, isn't it? Uh, but the first piece is to become aware of the things that we're doing. And that's the thing that um, your book, Christine, has just been, uh, it's a gem. It's an absolute gem. I, I have several clients that I'm going to put this on their reading list mm. because it's all in one place of um, what to look for. And you've just got so many gems in here. It's amazing. So any one of these, um, at least what I've seen, any one of these chapters, you could just work that for a month, you know, and really become aware of things and discard behaviors and imprints just by working one chapter for an entire month. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I love that. Oh, and I just opened it's better to give than receive. And it's better. <laughs> look at that. Look at that. It is. You can use it like an oracle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there was, uh, I opened it up toward the end of the book where you were talking about um, being stealth with your power. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you said power is about doing what feels right and true for you with care and consciousness without needing external validation or recognition. Uh, you know, and I know exactly why that hit me, Christine, <laughs> because there's so many things in here that I'm like, oh my gosh, she was following me around. How did she know that about me? I think a lot of people when they, uh, especially women, when they read, when you guys read this book, overwhelmed and over it, you're going to find yourself on so many of these pages. And Christine, you've created um, really lovely ways to encourage people to shift hmm. and develop their, their inner wisdom even more and get in contact with their inner truth and guidance and to be empowered because it sure is time, isn't it? It is. It is. And we can't be empowered if we're not self-aware Exactly, and we're not self-honest and we haven't accepted ourselves. And otherwise we're just playing the same game. I mean, I think that's the piece I, I, and I say this with like total sisterhood and total love is like loves we're playing the wrong game. It is a game that I, when I, whenever I start working with a, an executive and she'll be like, I just want a seat at the table. I'm like, honey, you don't want a seat at that freaking table. It's not about a seat. Like, it's like, you need to understand what's going on and you need to know what the rules are. And then we got to look at like where you have to show up and what is actually optional so that we can free up your life force to actually get clear about how you are here to be a leader that's going to create a different way of operating. Exactly. But if you're all twirled up about getting a seat at the table and then I get them into where that's coming from, they're coming from those deeper places in us of like needing to be validated. Mm-hmm. I had it too. And I showed up big time with my first book. And when Choosing Me Before We came out in 20, 2009, I completely tried the celebrity model. I, you know, I basically was like flying around, being on TV, being, you know, spending all my money, working two jobs to basically, you know, I had my coaching business that was still con- growing. And then I was consulting and marketing at the same time just to pay for everything. And it was exhausting. And that was um, the second time I had a superwoman sob moment. It was at the end of it. It was about nine months in and I was in a hotel room in Dallas, Texas. I had spent $2,500 of my own money, which I didn't really, should not have been spending to go down there to be on some stupid television show for three minutes to talk about Brad Pitt and Angelie Jolie. And one person came to the book event and it was like the universe was like, you know, 
And I'm sitting in this hotel room. It's Dallas. It's August. I'm all by myself. My partner sends me a picture of him, my dog, our garden, and our home that I had always wanted in, in, in Oakland. And, there, and it struck me. I was like, oh, my God, they're all there. Everything I love is in California. And I am flying around looking like it's all glamorous, you know, to do that, not being fulfilled. And I've set this up. Yeah. And when I had that sob, often those moments of those sobs that we have, or like that pressure that no more, it's a sign that's like, honey, something's out of alignment. And the, and those of us, I think we're, are really able to embrace our power is, can you sit in that moment and be honest with yourself, embrace the part that's our in there that caused you to, to make that reality with compassion, self-love. And so you don't repeat it. Um, and then do something differently and work with the universe to do that and get support, get support from wonderful women like you, Susan, like me, like there's lots of support. I have, I have two mentors who I've worked with for over 10 years. I have groups of women that are around me, have people to talk to. Like we, I think that's part of the thing. I think we had this misunderstanding that we should be able to do it on our own. It's one of the old imprints. Yes, it is. Take it all on, do it all on your own. And the new imprint is receive support and sisterhood. I think that that, uh, when I had my first heart shattering moment, that was my divorce and it lasted three and a half years of, of sobbing and, and, I think what happens for most women, if we, especially if we're in, uh, jobs that are that we feel pressured like your executive client um i think the first couple of moments when you have those big breakdown sob fests it it feels like there's something wrong with you but see you told me earlier there's nothing wrong so this is the thing that i know for lots of women when there's nothing wrong with you but there is something out of alignment so that's so instead of looking at right or wrong Look at it. There's something out of harmony. There's something out of alignment. It's like, it's like having your spine tweaked, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like that, like there's something out of alignment and it's causing pain. And that's where the power is at. If you can get clear about what's out of alignment, but you do need to sit and be in experience, whatever that pain is, emotional, mental, physical, in order to move through it, in order to see with clear eyes, right? Your inner eye what is really out of alignment. And I know lots of people that uh, say, well, if I start crying, I'm never going to stop. And it sure feels like that, that you're never going to stop, except that you do. And once you do, there is clarity. It's like, okay, this is where I'm out of alignment. This is what I need to refocus. It's like, yes, the, the best analogy is think of the tears like a storm. It's like we know it storms really, really hard. And it's just like, you know, and that's like the goo, like in the, in the caterpillar story. After that, there's the calm. You always have the calm after the storm. And every time I've had a big breakthrough after that storm, if I could be quiet and I could sit, I would often hear my inner wisdom tell yes. me exactly what it was that I needed. And, um, and that led me to self-love in 2001 when my relationship blew up into a million places and I was crying, 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 crying. And I got still enough afterwards and I heard the little voice say, Christine, you have self-esteem, but you do not love yourself. And I was like, dang, that's true. Boom, heard it. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, right? And that's right. on an adventure to like figure it out and actually then, you know, know how to do it. And then the same thing happened after I left my corporate job and six months into being an entrepreneur was like, exhausted. Like I just, I just, just couldn't keep it up and oh, crying in my office. Right. And then I heard the little voice, you need the feminine. I was like, Oh yeah, I do. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but yeah, I need that. And that set me on the journey with my woman who's still my teacher and of living this way that I call the feminine wisdom way. And then in 2009 with the, with the book and, and I, I realized that I was chasing something. And that, that boy said, everything that you love is there and look where you are. Yeah. And that was like, ding. And so the second time I wrote a book, when I wrote Madly in Love with Me, before the book came out, I went and I sat with my teacher, proactive this time, knowing that I had this receiving wound of like needing to be received, needing to be recognized or whatever. So I sit down with my teacher 
and she's she's like the Yoda of the divine feminine. You <laughs> like she's she's amazing and lovely, but you know you're like you're serious, right? So she's we're sitting across from each other, and I tell her this, you know, I, I want to go into this book release in a way that it's sustainable and in alignment. I don't want to do it from ego, and she goes, "Well, I only have one question for you." And I keep going to tell you all the stories. Is that one of my finer moments? But it's the truth. So I have to be honest, the transparency. And so she's like, I only have one question for you. Do you need to be famous? Do you need to be recognized? And like three seconds, of course, the voice speaks, right? And the yogis teach, like, if you're quiet, you'll know your truth in eight seconds. But I'm like, no, wait, wait, just let me go deeper. And I'm like, breathing, you know, looking like maybe there's a deeper answer in there somewhere. <laughs> and, and there was, and the answer was like, yes, I need to be recognized. I didn't need to be famous, but I had a need to be recognized. And I was like, oh crap. Like now, also all great. Like now I knew the work I needed to do. I had a focus point. And I think that's what happens with people around this emotional, personal work. If you don't have someone helping you focalize, you don't know where to start. You don't know where to go, but you have to actually have to be able to sit in that kind of way to be able to help pinpoint it. And then now you have a focus point. Now I know I can go work with that and unpack it. And and it's not because there's something wrong with me. Not because I did anything wrong. It's because I'm a human on this cray cray planet. And this is the, this is the curriculum. And you could either do it blind or you can do it aware. And that really is a choice that we each have to make. I choose aware. <laughs> you do. <laughs> because, you know, and, and I'm saying this for our, the listeners, aware, when you become aware, the ride gets a little bit, well, it's different. I want to say easier, but it's, it's, it just is better when you're unaware. All sorts of crap happens because you're constantly being shook to get awake. And I choose, please, I choose aware. So Christine, thanks for joining me today. It's, hmm. you're fabulous. It's our first time meeting and, I, and you're just fabulous. And thank you for all the amazing work that you've done and are doing within yourself, but with others for the world, because this is the time. Now is the time and planet earth seems to be the place for all of this transitional change. Is that a double entendre? I don't I know. So. <laughs> but I think that I would just, I know that a lot of people out there listening probably sometimes maybe feel like they're not doing enough for the world or they're not making a big enough difference. One thing I would like my closing thought would be for everyone to understand that um, all systemic and social change that lasts must be rooted in personal transformation. So systemic and social global transformation has to be rooted in personal transformation. Be the change you wish to see that is not just a nice journal cover that literally is the life directive. And I think, and I see this a lot especially like with like, just like the, your relationships and yourself, like the work that you're doing, if you're showing up and you're choosing and you're making different choices and you're working to create harmony in your relationships and yourself, and you're, you're changing that stuff and going through your own goo. If everybody did that, everything would change. And so just know that you, that that's enough. And then you get led to be like, okay, this is your part. Versus being what I call the three-headed overwhelmed lady who's running around trying to take care of everything because she can feel the need of everything that's going on out there. And then you're stretched way too thin. We each have a part to play. And it's the end of overwhelmed and over. It's about power. The imprint, the old one is try to do it, try to do it all. Right. And um, you're stretched like this. And the new imprint is stay focused on your part. And so Susan, you stay focused on your part. I'll stay focused. Our parts are aligned. They're like, they're, they're simpatico, but I can't be Susan. Susan can't be Christine. Like we each have our part to play. And if we each do our part and all of you listening, you all have a part. And the part doesn't have to look like being famous doesn't have anything to do with how many followers you have on whatever stupid social media channel, you know, is out there. It's about your presence and who you're showing up as. And yeah, some people, that is their dharma. That is their design. They're supposed to be the Ariana Huffingtons of the world or who are here to be a major broadcast. But that's her design. That's her design. Oprah's design. We're not all meant to, to be that. So if you can get really clear on like what my part is and feel, value it and know it's enough so much of that inner mean girl stuff starts to melt away. And like, you're just good in yourself and you know, and, and for any of you that are out there that are parents right now or grandmothers or matriarchs, parenting is part of your sacred work. Oh, absolutely. It's part of your sacred work. And part of my mission is to support um, 
women and all beings to actually for us to embrace that because that is the piece that didn't change and um when back in the 70s when women did get all these rights to go into the workforce i learned this through a couple of conversations including with gloria steinem when i asked like what happened and she said well basically the system didn't change so women just took more on yep and so that time has to be over and part of it is i mean i can't tell you the number of women i've sat with who have such grief over having to go back to work and they really wanted to breastfeed their child or they wanted to be like, I want to be, there's a story in the book called, I want to be a mother. I want to be a mother, but I have to make the money too. And we don't have to set it up this way. It is that way. It's getting better, but little increments are not enough. We actually need a system redesign and it will be the women supported by really amazing men and beings who are conscious that do it. And we don't, it's like, no one get overwhelmed about it. It just really starts of looking in our own lives and saying what's no longer sustainable. And then working with each other in the universe. Okay, let's find a different way. Let's yes. find a different way. Christine Arillo, thank you. And the book is called Overwhelmed and Over It. Tell everybody uh, your how they can contact you and or uh, listen to your podcast. Yes, best way to tune in and stay connected is through my podcast. So Feminine Power Time. Um, you can get it on iTunes or go to FemininePowerTime.com or get your podcast app. The book website is overwhelmed and over it. So if you go there, that'll get you to my website too. And there's a video there. There's a quiz called Am I Overgiving where you can see which of your 13 overs are actually running. And then I'll take you to my website, Christine Arilo, so we can get connected and you can all see all the good stuff going on. Awesome. Thanks again for everything you do. And, mm-hmm. and thank you for this book. I am, <laughs> I'm going to keep reading it. Absolutely. It's, it's not meant to consume it all super fast. It's actually, no, it's not. To it's, savor it's to savor and to work it, to ask the questions. And yeah, which I love. I totally love it. So thanks for today. And I'm just going to finish with, and so it is namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanborrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.